The nation of Israel said, listen, we really don't need you. Check out. And so that's what God did. And for 400 years, he didn't speak. But it was time for Christ to come. And so when Christ came, he sent uh, John the Baptist before him. He was the forerunner, the herald of Christ. He was a wilderness preacher. Uh, he, people were attracted to him because he was bombastic. Uh, people came out and said, listen, are you the Messiah? He said, no. They said, are you Elijah? He said, no. They said, are you the prophet? No. He said, I'm simply a voice in the wilderness calling people to God. Uh, that is predicted here in Isaiah chapter 40. It's also predicted in the book of Malachi chapter 3 and chapter 4. Prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, it was customary during that time when dignitaries visited a place that they would send out a, a, a group before them and they would clear the roads out. They would fill in the potholes. They would clean it up, make it appropriate for a grand entrance. Now, John the Baptist did this only in a spiritual way. John the Baptist was trying to get people to straighten out their crooked lives before Christ showed up. And I'll tell you what, he was pretty successful. He really was. Uh, his diet was a little strange, locust and wild honey. I went back in the book of Leviticus and found out that locusts actually was a food for the poor people. Whenever they had a locust invasion, they would go like that. Leviticus chapter 11, you can check it out. So he liked locusts. That was uh, something he enjoyed. There was plenty of honey around, date honey, other things. And he was a very bold preacher. And uh, he confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were people that only con were really about what was going on on the outside. And John said, listen, the real problem with you guys is the problem in your heart. His message was, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what that means? That means turn, your, turn away from your sins and turn to God. That's what that means. Repentance isn't a feeling word. Now, I know that sometimes people get under conviction because of their life and they feel bad, and that's a good thing. But feeling bad about things that we've done in our life doesn't really often mean repentance. It just means we're feeling bad that we got caught or feeling bad that we hurt somebody. The word repentance in the Bible is an action word. It's an action word, not a feeling word. Somebody thinks, well, you know, I don't really feel like repenting. Well, that's beside the point. John the Baptist said, listen, you have to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. And you know what I did is I looked in the New Testament and I found the word repent. How many times it's used? It's amazing. Repent was the first word that John the Baptist used when he preached. It was the first word that Jesus used when he preached in Matthew chapter 4. Repent was the first word in the preaching ministry of the 12 disciples when they went out. That's what they preached about. Repent was the first word in the preaching instructions Jesus gave to his disciples in Luke chapter 24. He said, listen, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name. 
Repent was the first word of exhortation in the first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent was the first word in the mouth of the Apostle Paul through his ministry in Acts chapter 26. In fact, this is what Jesus said in Luke 13, 5. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now that's kind of ominous because we don't hear much about repentance today. But it's so vital. Jesus said, listen, there are only two options. Perish or repent. Just two options. Uh, you make the choice. If you repent, you can enter the kingdom of God. If you don't, you perish. This is the starting point in our path to God. In other words, you can't get to the kingdom of God without starting at repentance. And what does it mean? Look at verse 6. They were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. That's what it means. It means coming to Christ, not to any man, coming to Christ directly and confessing our sins to Christ. That's what repentance is. Realizing that we have a problem, and our problem is our sinful life. Now, I know that's strange in our politically, religiously correct world, because in our world, everybody's okay, right? I mean, you're okay, and I'm okay, and everything is okay, and there's nothing wrong with anything. We're all just okay. Well, Jesus said, listen, you have a problem. Your problem is your sin, and you need to repent of it. Repentance simply means a change of mind. It doesn't mean, first of all, a change of action. It means a change in your mind, in your head. Psalm 51, David was repenting in the... Old Testament, and this is what he said, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That's what God wants to hear from us. Just what David said there. Well, repentance doesn't mean to clean up your life and then come to God. I had a fellow I was talking to one time at my office and he said, you know, I, I intend to come to God one of these days, but I need to clean up my life. And I said, listen, please don't wait for that. You may never be able to do that. Repentance is a determination to come to God with the broken pieces of our life and bring the broken parts of our life before him and let him, by his power, put them together. Repentance is a determination. Well, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's as close as your hand. Uh, the spiritual realm he's referring to, over which Christ reigns as Lord. I know it's a little confusing sometimes when you read about the kingdom of heaven in the Bible because it seems so far away, but yet on other occasions it seems very near. And really what that means is this, is there is a spiritual kingdom and that there is a physical kingdom. The spiritual kingdom is here now. The physical kingdom will come later when Jesus Christ comes back to earth, described in Revelation chapter 19. Well, I know that whenever we read about people like John the Baptist, you say, well, you know, I could never be like that. I don't want to be like that. You know, when God made him, he threw away the mold. That's a good thing. But how does God get his message out today? That's the critical question. How does God bring people to himself today? Well, he uses uh, people like you, and like me. Actually, 
what we have done is the Lord has given the mantle of John the Baptist to you and to me. And he says to you and to me, I want you to be my preachers in the world. Get out of the wilderness, go to the city, okay? Go downtown Pittsburgh, go to Philadelphia, go to New York City, go to Los Angeles. And, and what should we preach? Luke chapter 24, verse 47, he says this, you preach repentance and remission of sins. That should be preached in my name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so that, that's the way it started. In Jerusalem, they started preaching, repent. He said, now you take it all over the world. But listen to this. He said, behold, I send the promise of my Father, that's the Holy Spirit, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He said, I want you to go preach repentance, which means remission of sins, but I want you to wait for a while because you need power to do that because preaching repentance is really hard to do. And you can't do it by yourself. You need the anointing of God in order to do this. This is not an easy task. It's not an easy task for you to go to work and talk to your coworker and say, listen, I think you have a problem. And the coworker says to you, no, I think you have a problem. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's critical right there. And if you have the power of God, God will enable you to explain it to him in a way that he can understand it. And then we take it and say, listen, we all have a problem. I have a problem. You have a problem. Our problem is our sin and we're separated from God. That takes strength to say that to people. You know, people want to go to doctors that have good news for them. You like a doctor that you go to for an examination. He says, listen, you're in good shape. Take two aspirins. You say, I love that guy. He is really a great doctor. You go to another doctor and he says, listen, you've got a big, big problem. You walk out to him and you say, I don't like him very much. Well, you know, whenever you confront people about their need and their problem, they may not accept it too well. Do you know that? Do you remember how John the Baptist died? How many people remember how John the Baptist died? Well, let's not go there right now, okay? Lest you be discouraged. Well, how do we, how do we handle this? How can we make straight the road for people to come to God? How can we remove barriers in their life? First of all, we have to confront them with the Bible, the Word of God. We have to show them that, listen, ignorance, there is no premium on ignorance with God. We have to explain people's need. Coming to Christ is an issue of a humble heart. It really is. It's not living rules and regulations. It's coming to God with a humble heart. I, I like what Jesus said about children. This is what he said. Mark 10, 14. Let the children come to me, for such is the kingdom. And then he said this, anyone who does not have the kind of faith, this kind of faith, will not get into the kingdom of God. In order for you as an adult sitting in this room today to have saving faith, you have to have the kind of faith that children do. I love their faith. Somebody says, well, how old does a person need to be in order to be saved? 
Well, let me just give you an example here with Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a person who lived in Holland whose family harbored Jews during the Holocaust in their home. They called her home the hiding place. It's an incredible story. This is what she says about how she came to Christ. When I was five years old, I learned to read. I love stories, particularly those about Jesus. He was a member of the Ten Boom family. It was just as easy to talk to him as it was to carry on a conversation with my mother and father, my aunts or my brother and sisters. He was there. One day my mother was watching me play house in my little girl world of fantasy. She saw that I was pretending to call on a neighbor. I knocked on the make-believe door and waited, but nobody answered. Corey, my mother said, I know someone who's standing at the door of your heart knocking right now. Was she playing a game with me? I know now that there was a preparation within my childish heart for that moment. The Holy Spirit makes us ready for the acceptance of Jesus Christ, of turning our life over to him. And Jesus said that he is standing at your heart's door, and if you invite him in, he'll come into your heart. And my mother continued, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? At that moment, my mother became the most beautiful person in my whole world. Yes, Mama, I want Jesus in my heart. So she took my little hand in hers, and she, we prayed together, and it was so simple. And yet Jesus Christ says that all we have to come like children, no matter what our age, our social standing, or our intellectual background. Well, this is our job. Do you know that 80% of the people who come to Christ come between age 4 and 14? Now just let that sink in. Age 4 and 14. That means the older a person is, the harder it is for them to come to Christ, and the less the chances are that they will ever come to Christ. And so, uh, Jesus said, listen, if you're coming to me, I want you to come as a child. They have the best kind of faith. They believe so easily. That's the way I want you to believe in me. John ministers to the Messiah in his baptism. Baptism is a symbol of repentance. It really is. When Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, what he was doing is he was identifying with the human race. And when we are baptized, we are identifying with Jesus. Baptism is an outward sign of a commitment of repentance. The word baptism means to dip or immerse. Baptism is the second step of Christian obedience. Some children are saved very early in life and um, like Corrie ten Boom. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But not everybody has that privilege to be able to be, come to Christ like that. Baptism was uh, known as a sign, a symbol of repentance. Jesus is identifying with the human race, and when we are baptized, we identify with Christ. It was the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, this baptism. And when you're baptized and I'm baptized, that means it's time for us to begin our ministry too. 
Well, God poured out his approval on this baptism. And remember, a voice came down from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's a symbol also of death to the old life. Whenever a person is baptized, they are baptized. And the symbol is I'm dying to the old life. The person I used to be, I'm closing the door on the past. And I'm rising again to walk after Christ. Now there are some prerequisites for baptism. In order for a person to be scripturally baptized, first of all, they must be saved because baptism is a picture of an inner commitment to Christ. In the Bible, there's only one kind of baptism and that's believer's baptism. Always remember that, believer's baptism. There is no other kind. That means if you were baptized 20 times before you repented, before you trusted Christ as your savior, that's not real baptism. Now, I know that most of us in this church today were baptized as a baby. And I do not want to degrade in any way the good intentions of your parents in having you baptized as a baby. But there is no merit for that in the Bible. There is not, baby baptism is not in the Bible. There's only one kind of baptism in the Bible, and that's called believer's baptism. That means baptism is a sign of a new life in Jesus Christ, and so therefore there has to be a, a new life first. It's a proclamation of our faith when we come to Christ. Then he talks about, he says, listen, I'm, I'm just baptizing in water, but one is coming after me who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, what does that mean? He's referring to Jesus, the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon the church, the baptism of the Spirit, and empowered the Christians to take the message of salvation out. Now, listen, these people were dramatically changed by the Holy Spirit. Remember before that, they were afraid of their shadows. Peter was renouncing the Lord left and right, but you know, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he started preaching like crazy. He was a new man. And so John the Baptist says, you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's if you believe first. And so the unrepentant then would experience the baptism of fire. And what that means is judgment from God. If a person is unrepentant, remember said Jesus said, repent or perish? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says this. Wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, when we repent of our sins, the Lord washes them away as far as the east is from the west and makes us right in the sight of God. We do not then have to experience the wrath of God. Matthew 25, 46. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Baptism this morning is not a part of our salvation. You can never be baptized to go to heaven. Baptism is just a sign of our salvation. It's a visible expression of our salvation. Because if you could do anything to get to heaven, Jesus Christ would have never had to die upon the cross. All you would have had to do is do something to get to heaven. The good word is that you don't have to do anything because Christ has done it all. 
on the cross. He has done everything that you will ever need for your soul's salvation. And all you have to do is come to him with a humble heart like a child and embrace him as your savior and repent of your sins. That means determine in your mind. Listen, I'm not living that way anymore. I'm going to follow Christ in my life. And when we do that, the transformation begins in our life. It really does. Let me say this today. The kingdom of heaven is as near as your hand. That's how close it is to you. And for you to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must repent. You must come to Christ, admit your sins, and invite him into your heart to be your savior. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed in prayer. I'd like to ask you today, if you've never received Christ as your savior, to do that right now, right here in the auditorium. You don't have to walk down the aisle or you don't have to have an emotional experience. Remember, repentance is a determination that you make in your mind to turn your life over to Christ, to confess your sins to him, and to be born again, to receive his gift of forgiveness in your life. And so right there in your seat, in your own way, in your own words, speak to the Lord and say, Lord, come into my heart today. Forgive me. I've broken your law. I'm away from you. I'm coming to you right now. I'm asking you to be my savior. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, how it never changes, how it's always applicable in every generation. I pray now that as we uh, have our invitation, that you will move in our church for those people who need to come and just pray here for a friend or about something going on in their life. I pray that they may come as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song this morning. And as, uh, as we stand and sing together, if you'd like to come and pray, please feel free to do that. Step down into darkness Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am 
be seated. Uh, this is Dana Musser, and every time somebody comes to be baptized, we give them a little form uh, to fill out. Dana's a little bashful. He said, will you read my form? I said, okay. He's bigger than me, so I, I agreed. We ask a few questions. My life before I received the free gift of eternal life. Dana said, I went to a church that didn't preach the gospel. That was my life before. How I realized my need for Christ. He said, just looking at the world and all the problems in the world, and he said, I realize my need for Christ because I want my children to be saved. I want my children to have a relationship with God. Why I transferred my trust to Christ for my salvation. This is a good, good one. It was time I give him my attention after a lifetime of ignorance. When and how I made this decision, my younger brother's teaching and support. Specific ways Christ has changed my life since I received the gift of salvation. All my thoughts and actions have changed. Now that's, mark, that's a mark of a new life. Amen? When the Lord is, what the Lord is teaching me now to follow him and, and learn from him and he will provide the rest. Find peace in God and all else will come. So that's Dana's testimony right there. Upon thy profession of faith and in obedience to the Lord's command, I do now baptize thee, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. That was a double miracle right there. First of all, that he got baptized, and secondly, that I got him up. That was a, that's a miracle. Amen. Okay. What a great guy. Uh, Dane is a real blessing to our church, and uh, his desire is to serve the Lord. And, and uh, he wanted you to know that he's coming out all the way for Christ. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Turn around and shake hands with somebody around you. God bless you. You're dismissed.